<laughs> I'm not gonna get used to that music. It's not or anything but quiet time music. I just like your your laugh in the middle of that. <laughs> okay, all right. This is the Seven Deadly Sins series, part three, as we go over the seven deadly sins. We are four in. <clears throat> Yeah, right? we're well. That's this will right. be the sixth. This will be the, the we'll, we're the done with four. We're here fifth and sixth today, and so we'll and then we'll end it with pride next week in a live edition in front of an audience. Yes, oh, that's gonna be fun. Uh, we're excited to talk today about these topics that nobody is ever excited to talk about in the church. Nobody wants to talk about greed because, especially when the offering plate gets passed. That's not well. It's money is kind of a sticky subject because it's like we don't. We're not about the love of money here, but we know that we need funding to keep the church building up and going. Uh-huh. Please don't connect it with a heart of greed because that's not what the offering plate is about. Dot, dot, dot. So it's kind of a sticky subject that so many pastors have really tackled and done a great job with. But some don't st- talk about <laughs> still leave the congregate members wanting more. They're like, no, nah, I don't believe that. And it has caused a lot of people to not only break up in the church, but never attend again, the subject yeah. of money. No, that is a very interesting point. Um, as we, we cover these greed and lust, you know, we pair these lust. together. There's another one. We yeah. paired them together for a reason uh, today, each and every one of them, you know, gluttony and laziness last week, you could see going together. And today it's kind of that desire to always want more. And I think on the, the greed, you know, side of it, that is always a touchy subject of wanting to be a cheerful giver mm-hmm. and pastors encouraging to give but but where does it go mm-hmm. and how many new sound system stuffs do we need and how, you know, and, and you start to go, when are we truly using it for people and when are we just trying to show off even? And I think at the end of the day, you just have to you just have to pray it through, because if you are saying, all right, this is the church, this is the one that we feel like we're supposed to stay in. And you are not in any sort of authority role at that church as a board member um, or an usher or whatever it is that you just have to keep praying for the leadership that are in charge of those types of money making decisions. Pray for the people who are in charge of the treasury, Um, because absolutely those are things that maybe you don't think about. I'm not one of those people who's ever really thought about it. Well, I think it's worth there's so many people that leave churches for different reasons and I think it's 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 worth noting that you can't agree on every single mm-hmm. thing with anybody. Yeah. And so to let some to, the Bible says to overlook an offense. So if they decided to get, you know, invest in one ministry over another, it's like, okay, it just is what it is. I'm not happy, but I but it's fine. It's when it gets to be unbiblical mm-hmm. that the concern would would be. In the book of Acts, there's incredible representation about the subject of money in the second book excuse me, in the second chapter of Acts, I just read it this morning where the disciples, um, after the Holy Spirit happens on the day of Pentecost and like everybody suddenly is just, I mean, like (laughs) you can imagine one day like being one way and then the next day you wake up and like like Spider-Man, he he goes through the changes overnight Uh and he wakes up and he's got the powers of the spider. He's like, oh my goodness, he's a different person. Right. It's it's the Holy Spirit transformation of these people. They go from night to day. It's, It's like that. Because the Holy Spirit is starting to share with them everything. It's God's spirit in them now. Mm -hmm. So imagine I'm sharing a consciousness with God, you know. So the Holy Spirit is now. They are literally all about love and sharing. And all right, what you have is mine. And like the very first day that the Holy Spirit 
connects with these guys. They're out on the they're out on the courts of Jerusalem in the temple area. And they're telling about the truth of Jesus Christ. And they baptize like 3000 people. And now all of a sudden, all of a sudden they are sharing, pooling their monies together. And what do you need? You need this. Okay, you were a poor family before. Well, I was a rich family. Well, let's, you know, they pull their resources together and they just, they do life together from that moment on. And then you start seeing uh, over time, the book of Acts, you you come upon the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Oh, yeah. And they tell the disciples one thing, but do a different thing. They say, oh, well, we sold our property, you know, like everybody else is doing, we sold our property. And they lied. They said that they gave it over Hey, we're giving you all of the money that we got from the property. Well, they weren't. They they kept some of it. They both died and that they day. Both died mm-hmm. from the spirit, from God striking Fell them down. Fell down dead. It was probably one of those days where they like, did you see what happened? You don't mess around. Well, and I think it's <laughs> I think it's worth noting, you know, because um, I've heard a lot of, uh, you know, we we try to write our culture into the Bible a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And I've heard somebody say, well, Jesus was a socialist. And and then they just look at the first oh, church. Okay. Yeah, so you yeah. don't own anything. See? Well, I think it's worth noting there was never a command. It's just something right. they started to do. That's what they did. It was right. kind of a glorified church camp because they were all there for a festival mm-hmm. and they eventually went home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mm-hmm. on your story, Peter says to him, you know, it was yours to keep. <laughs> uh, you didn't have to, like, that's the irony about yeah. it. E- either keep the land or sell the land and keep the money. Or sell the land and give us the money, but don't say you're doing one thing when you're not. They weren't all in. And that's that's the thing about greed and lust and any of these sins. It starts with just a little flutter. Yeah. Of wanting to look at the person who is not your wife or your husband. Just look at that person. And when you look, we're talking like staring. We're not we're not talking about, oh, noticing somebody's attractive taking it to a place of objectifying that human being. Um, a little bit of, well, I'm going to hold on to this money. You know, the cares of this world is what the parable of the sower uh, warns people about. It's the the cares of this world about, you know, lusting after power and, and, and money, that greed mm-hmm. that will choke out God's word. All the things that God has planted in you. And I, it is interesting, Carter, I shared this with you the other day, that it, I never had a problem, I feel like, with selfishness per se before, until I had money issues. Until my husband and I started, real, we had some debt problems, and praise the Lord, we're doing much better now. We we had to work hard at it, but we're, you know, at that place now of freedom. Yeah. And now I find myself holding things a little bit more tightly and being gently reminded by his spirit to loosen my grip on stuff. I don't know why. I almost feel like for a lot of people I hear in their testimony, their story about their life, it's loosened their grasp on things when they realize what money power can do. But I I don't know. It's like when you don't have and you know what that feels like. My grandfather went through the Depression as a child and he would hold on to these Tupperware. Oh, yeah. That was very popular. The butter dishes that you get, like the margarine dishes. And the Cool Whip ones. He'd hold Uh on to it because I think he knew what it was to experience such great loss. I don't want things to go wasted. I'm just going to keep holding these things. And my mom went over to his, his house one day and was trying to help him and clean up. And she noticed this 
giant collection. She just threw it away. Oh, yeah. Because it was just him in the apartment, and you got so upset. Oh, I would imagine. But, yeah, it's. I think you go through a desperate time in your life, and you start to kind of hold on to things. Instead of, I need to be holding on to Jesus. Yeah. Because he's my provision. Yeah, that's the thing is, and, and that can go with status, too. You know, who would I be tomorrow if I didn't have this much money or my house or my job or whatever? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that that's a scary question. I mean, it, it really is if you really enjoy mm-hmm. those things. And perhaps and, you've experienced that. You could tell us the answer to that. Sure. But if you haven't. It, it's a, you yeah. don't want to find out, you know. <laughs> and then sometimes when you do, you feel a freedom. And sometimes when you do, I, I think there's desperation. Because your identity is wrapped up in the things instead of the one. Yeah. Instead yeah. of Jesus. I I um I liked what a pastor named Paul Washer said. He said in regards to this could go for either, but this was about lust. I've never seen a man fall. I've only seen men slide. Okay, like it starts with a little flutter it of a sin. It starts with a flutter, it starts with a glance. Mm-hmm. It starts with a well, you know, maybe I'll just stare a little bit, but it's just my little secret. And I think it would be you know, I've worked with with students, uh, high school students, uh, and just been a part of high school, you know, I, when I was in high school and college ministry and men's groups, and this is a common topic when you're sheltered a little bit, when you, I don't think, I guess, I guess I don't think you realize so many guys struggle with lust and just pornography period. Um, until you get together in a men's group and you're like, there's only 99% of people in here that have had a problem in some regard. Well, and the pornography industry has grown to just astronomical figures. Yeah. It's just huge, especially it, Western culture is huge. There, 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 I saw a, a news story the other day. One of the websites is has more hits than I mean, like a, Google, uh, you know, ESPN. It went a couple of the major websites, like Netflix and stuff like that. Yeah. Netflix, and then and then in the top ten was one of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, over mm-hmm. CNN.com, over FoxNews.com, over had more hits than stuff like that. Yeah, because it started as a flutter. Yeah. And when you start to feel the things that God intended you to feel in terms of like bodily things, those feel nice, those feel good. They were meant to, but we take it out of the context. It's like playing with fire. Fire is yeah. good. Well, but it has to be contained. Otherwise, it will get out of control. And, and that was what I was going to say with the, the men's group is um, in the. I've never seen a man fall. I've only seen a man slide. I think it. This would honestly go for greed as well, because of the 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 uh, example I'm about to give. It would be like finding a hundred thousand dollars in a briefcase, mm-hmm. or it's in my example. Let's make it a million, a million dollars in a briefcase. You know, that something sketchy about this. Mm-hmm. You know that you haven't done anything wrong. You know, as of right now, but you know. That if you hold on to it, the longer that you hold on to it, mm-hmm. the more likely you're going to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. And you just need to turn that over instantly. Uh, maybe you'll get a reward. That'd be nice in, in, in this specific <laughs> example. But you got to turn that in. That's that is either banks money or drug money or something that you better turn in and not keep. And I think that's what guys do a lot of the time. And I mean, women struggle with this, too. But I, I just know from the guy's perspective. It's that it's the just my little, you know, flirting at work. That, mm-hmm. That's all it is. I'm just going to hang on to this. And I think flirting in general when you're you're married is just wrong. But perhaps it's just being going out of your way and, and getting somebody a coffee. 
Or perhaps it's just somebody at work. They don't realize that their dress is up or their shirt's down. And it's like, okay, I know that's uh, there. And maybe I'll just look occasionally. And Mm -hmm. then you start to just play with fire Mm -hmm. when you, you are going to go out of control because the, what we were talking about, I think we were talking about this last podcast. We put a, a lot of blame on Satan and he sure likes to give you the temptation, but he does that based on what he knows that your desires are. You know, the Bible says it's your desires. Mm-hmm. It's me wanting to drive this stuff. Now, Satan can come in and, and you know, I'm having a great day and then all of a sudden something's just there, but it's my desires. It's the flesh that we'll talk about oh, yeah. that we have to resist. And he dresses it up to look real nice, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like he did with that fruit in the garden. Yeah. You'll be like God, you know, and see, it, it's it's really hard because he takes what is meant for good, what God purposed to be good. When he made man and woman, he said it's very good. Actually, it's the only time he said it was very good. Mm-hmm. And he's all a, he is all about couples being joined together and multiplying and, and experiencing that. If he wasn't, he would not have made it pleasurable and enjoyable. People blush when we talk about it. It was never meant to be blushed over. This is a good thing to be celebrated. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the Song of Solomon was a book that's all about this, was something that was shared in the synagogue. So this was very common to hear these kinds of words. Some of it even, I heard a pastor once describe it as could even be considered on the edge of erotica. Huh. Yeah. Uh, was shared in these types of studies. Jesus would have grown up hearing song songs. And you don't you don't hear it at, at kids' church, yeah, you do really you? Hear it you don't really hear it at big church, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> not necessarily. So, but it it's a good thing that Jesus addressed in Matthew uh, chapter five. He talks about You've committed adultery the moment that you're looking. Now, distinguishing what they're talking about is not the glance. It's not the, oh, gosh, um, that that I was not when I, my line of vision, uh, just saw something that I probably shouldn't be looking at because yeah. I'm married or whatever. You're not sinful when you accidentally walk in on somebody that was changing. Sure. Like, we, it just, it just happened, You right? see an attractive person. You're looking at the person, you say, oh, that's an attractive person. But you are not objectifying that person. Like, I, in fact, I wrote this down. I think this is such a good way of putting it. Uh, when it comes to lust. See, I had to write all this stuff down because I can't remember good. it. Uh, a disordered desire for sexual pleasure. Um, it is seeing someone only for their body and what they can do for you as opposed to seeing them as a whole person. See, Jesus in the same uh, subject matter, he's talking here about what's important. How do we serve God well? We know to love God and to love people. In the first few uh, pages of our Bible, we are told that we are made in the image of God. If we are image bearers, if we have, I mean, like, uh, I, I heard this, this amazing sermon on the subject of lust. And he, uh, the gentleman referenced C.S. Lewis as saying, you know, you're not going to encounter anybody more godlike than the person sitting on the bus next to you or on the train sitting next to you. It's because that is a person that was made in the image of God. So if we are, if we are treating people in this special way, we are not going to look them at them as an object just to what you can do for me. I'm going to love them well. I'm going to serve mm. them well. And so Jesus tells us if something is keeping, if something is attached to you, somehow woven into your fabric, and it's become such a part of you that is keeping you from doing these things well, then cut it off. 
Like, I don't think he's talking about actually cut off your hand, actually pluck out your eye, which he references in this same chapter in Matthew 5. But he's he's talking about if you have, if you have lust in your heart, it's the same as actually ending up in bed with somebody else. Right. That is not your committed to, I am married to you, partner in life. Right. And you've come a long way from just thinking about it to actually doing it. So it clearly started earlier with that first fluttering that we were talking about, and it has grown to actually you walking out. So he's saying before it gets to you walking out, you got to recognize that this is a heart issue and that we got to deal with this from the get-go. I think there's a a comment, and I I think a lot of the time, no, 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 I'll say I think for Christian guys too, but um, for mainstream, when you, you know, with pornography, it's like, well, there's no victim, right? I'm not hurting anybody. But first of all, on the the actual side of things, there is. There's, oh there's been even non-Christian nonprofits yes. come out with, it hurts the person watching, and yes. there's a whole industry that hurts a lot of women. It, it's very ignorant to think that they're not connected. But then also, for the Christian guy, I think that could be in the back of his mind, but then... Um, you have to realize, like you said with the C.S. Lewis quote, my heart is messed up and I'm even this person that I'll never meet mm-hmm. treating them unhuman. Anything less than what God says they are. Yeah. Which is made in his image. Yeah. And that is a person to be protected by me as a, a follower of Jesus. And that means protected from thoughts that can run amok. Yeah, I should be a safe place as a believer in Jesus. I should be a safe place. Um, I, I I love this. I mean, there's just some verses that go along with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Ephesians 4, 21 and 22, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Mm. Another one in Galatians 5, uh, it's getting ready to talk about what the fruit of the spirit, the fruits of the spirit are, you know, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. But this is what it says in, in 19 and 20. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, mm-hmm. the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, uh, hostility quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, uh, div- division, uh, enviness, drunkenness, wild parties. Some of these are some of the other uh, seven deadly sins that we've gone (laughs) over as well. And so realizing that I have a sin nature, but because Jesus did what he did, um, I have I have the answer. And it's something that if I stay focused on, I can leave that behind day. It's going to be a daily decision, but day after day after day, leaving that behind and recognizing the good aspects of the way God has designed us. I mean, man, when he saw woman, said, oh, my word. And he wanted to be with her and she wanted to be with him. And God did that. So woman got her name. (laughs) Adam saw her and said, whoa, man. Whoa, man. (laughs) And so there are parts of it, like even over the years that have gotten twisted uh, by religion, I think. Like make it, oh, we don't talk about that or it's only a procreation thing. It's not recreational. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be only procreation. No, well, there, where does it say that in scripture? Mm-hmm. It tells us to go out and multiply. Absolutely. But God has engineered us so that this is a pleasure thing as well. And so it's like, all right, father, there clearly 
is a balancing act, just like any of these things that food is good. If I overeat, it can become a gluttonous thing. You know, taking time for me and vegging on the couch every once in a while so that I have a balance between pursuing life and all the things on the to do list and actually having rest is good. When it's out of balance, it becomes sloth. You know, this stuff, it just has to be filtered through the Jesus filter. And uh, I, I think finding that balance is a journey, especially if you are, have made a commitment to somebody else in life. They are a partner before God. You're like, you're it. Are you going to struggle in this area? I think it's safe to say if you have children, the answer is yes, in terms of making sure that the one another feels you know, complimented. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> it's not meant to be ushered under the rug either because that's not going to be healthy. I mean, they, we have to hit these problems head on. Call it what it is. Jesus said, when you see that something is leading you away from that covenant partner, cut it off. Whatever it is, do not be attached to that. Do not let that weave itself into the fabric of who you are because it will like, like venom. Ooh, let's go back to the Spider-Man reference. (laughs) Like venom will attach itself to you and make you something that you were not designed by the father to be. You were designed to serve him, to bring honor and glory to him. Um, One of my favorite examples I've ever seen and you can imagine a lot of pastors having uh, demonstrations on stage. Uh, th- this was a pastor that just kind of taught from the word, pretty okay. level-headed guy, didn't hear him yell much. So it really stood out. Yeah. Even as a young, per- young, per- I mean, I'm a young person, I, I was a kid probably, and I didn't quite understand the full grasp of this uh, topic, which was lust and pornography, the, the, what he preached on. Um, he He comes in and he preaches on it. And there's something, I think we saw the sledgehammer, but there's something under a blanket, um, under a sheet on stage. And he, as he talks about, this would have been late 90s, so internet pornography, I'm sure, was just getting more and more rampant at the time. And as he talks about lust and pornography, he pulls up that sheet and there is a computer, Mm -hmm. old, old junky computer that we'd, that we'd call now. And he picks up that sledgehammer and he says something to the effect of, if you don't want this, if you want to follow after Jesus, then get rid of it. (laughs) And does the sledgehammer right there on the computer. Keys are flying everywhere. Oh, it was awesome. Hit the first guy in the front row. (laughs) Poor guy. I got a floppy disk in my mouth. (laughs) It was so great. Um, Especially because at the time, I was just like, hey, destroy the computer on stage. But uh, the more I look back, it was so powerful because you really can't win a battle that you let get too far. When when you are, when you've decided, when you've already typed in the website, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty much too late. Yeah. You know, and there's forgiveness there later, and and it's incredible. But uh, we've even talked the the ridiculousness of Satan in a in a, a group that I, one high schooler pointed this out. He said, "Isn't isn't it just the worst that Satan's like? You need this, mm. you need this." And then you know, my desire is saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I need this." And then as soon as you look at it, instantly the voice of accusation: "You're messed up. Why would you look at that?" Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, pal. And there's levels of of if you're looking at that kind of stuff 
there's levels of somehow people are like, but that one's okay. Like, this is mild. Uh-huh. Even movies. But we know from, I mean, this is a very, very old statement for Supreme Court justice. I know it when I see it. Pornography. Right. Right. Um, once uh, the film starts playing in your mind. <laughs> sure. If First of all, the interesting thing, you, you kind of connected it to money at the beginning. It's like, if I had $100,000, the difference between, I think, lust and like something tangible, which would involve money with greed, mm-hmm. um, it's very secret and no one else knows what you're thinking. And I think the sledgehammer has to come right then. It, you just got to put the kibosh on that right away. Right. Just you you move, you, you bounce your eyes as one yeah. book it would, would phrase it. You switch thoughts. Mm-hmm. You move, you say, give it to God. God, this is a thought that has come through my head. I don't want it. Just take it. The sledgehammer has got to be right at the beginning because if it's when you're typing in the website, the battle's already, I mean, it's just going to be too late. Yeah. And I don't think we should put degrees on this kind of stuff. When you know it and you see it, call it what it is. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of, of just gross stuff out there, including involving children. You know, and it's, my word, what have we allowed ourselves get to such a base level? Right. Almost animalistic, not human anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're driven by urges as opposed to what makes us human which was you know it's not a bad thing when you say well i'm only human if you think about it, i mean like made in the image of god yeah he has plans for us i know the plans i have for you it's not that it's so much better when you allow it to be just like the flame when it's in a forest fire situation it's out of control it's raging oh it is what it is it's just you know it, it's wild let it go well no clearly that causes destruction you can't do that but if you take the flame and you put it to good use Heating your home, heating up food, uh, lighting a candle. You know, if you put it for good use, then then it is a controlled type of situation. When you when it's a life giving situation, yeah, is when um, sex is good. Otherwise, like you said, it, it like well, in in comparing it to a wildfire, how does that bring life? Right. It destroys marriages. It destroys young people's perspectives on how they should be observing one another. It's it's not a good thing. I have been fascinated by the world standard of what's okay with the kind of like you said. Everything goes anymore, right? You you rate it and you go, well, at least I'm not that, you know, or whatever. But I have um, there's a a mainstream uh, show that I've, I've listened to that they have said you know, they all watch pornography or whatever. And they said, um, they said, you know, something to the effect of like, who cares, you know, or whatever. And I just think people who live like that, what happens when your partner feels like they're not enough Mm -hmm. or casual sex, you know, what happens when somebody gets attached and somebody does, I mean, there's heartbreak constantly in the world because of these standards that aren't truly thought out. Well, to be honest, generally that is never portrayed in the top box office films, the Mm rom-coms. You're never going to get necessarily um, the responsibility factor attached to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. But if it's, if it's maybe an independent Sundance film type of movie, you might get a little bit of reality, but it's always painted with the picture of that person was tainted for some reason. And so, the only reason why the responsibility aspect is attached is because, <laughs> I don't know, 
uh, they're an exception to the rule. Yeah. They're the monster. They're the reprobate. You know, it, it, no, it goes for across the board. STDs are a thing because you're being you're having casual sex. Pornography is warping and twisting the way we perceive one another and objectifying people, regardless of, oh, well, I'm taking ownership of my body. This is my truth. This is my power. You're like, who are you joking? Only yourself. Because you have no power over what other people are capable of doing. Listen, whether or not you wear an Amish dress is, isn't necessarily going to keep you safe. That's not my point. But when you put yourself out there, whenever we start to think that we have any semblance of control, we only have self-control. I mean, that's <laughs> Jesus gives us control through his spirit over ourselves. I can't make choices for other people. And you literally are handing your image, the image of a God kid over to others with no clothes on freely. There's nothing free about it. When a photograph is presented, and I, I understand modesty is all relative. However, if I put a picture out there, just know that whoever the audience is, is going to in some way objectify that image. And perhaps I even get twisted up into the objectification of my own self. Do I look good enough? I get into the comparison thing. I mean, it, it can be very entrapping if I'm not putting it through a Jesus filter so that I know, yes, I have peace about sharing this photo. I find it fascinating of interviews of, regardless of what the sin is, uh, lust or or greed or obnoxiousness, uh, so, you know, so far to insult people. You see some of these stars later in life and they are not content. No. They are yeah, not content. Whenever we fill up with anything other than Jesus, and regardless of whether or not, I mean, you can say you follow Jesus, but in some aspect, you are allowing yourself to fill up with something else. You are just as guilty as the other person. For Yeah, I don't feel content. I'm not satisfied. Well, probably because I have not turned toward the Lord in this matter, whatever that matter is. Um, Jude the book right before it's one chapter book right before revelation it's kind of short kind of short yeah easy read kind of it says this in verse 10 but these people scoff at things they do not understand mm -hmm. like unthinking animals they do whatever their instincts tell them and so they bring about their own destruction what sorrow awaits them for they follow in the footsteps of Cain the verse goes on from there but mm -hmm. now I want to acknowledge you know, what they what it said earlier was that they um, they I say this because some ungodly people have warmed their way in your churches. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why mm -hmm. they will face destruction. I want to make sure that that's clear, that we're all messed up and we've all done some or all Absolutely. of these sins. And so. The destruction is associated with them denying Jesus, mm -hmm. but but it does go to show because they don't have Jesus, the sorrow in their lives presently and the animal instincts that control them. Yeah. And and I don't want to go back to something like I mean, it says in other places, sin controls you, something controls you. And it's either gonna be Jesus or it's gonna be this. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember kind of like a second day by day. I have a, in fact, Ezekiel in the old Testament said, I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees 
and be careful to obey my regulations. Mm-hmm. I have that spirit. I need to remember and live that way. It's really good. Um, it's so important also for us to have uh, empathy and remember how we were before maybe Jesus helped glue some of those areas back together that were broken when we admit it to ourselves anyway. Yeah. Uh, but those areas where we've admittedly failed, we have sinned. Jesus, would you help us to do better? You know, we need to have grace and empathy for those who aren't there yet. Uh, and maybe just they don't say that they follow Jesus at all. How could they? Well, they don't have the standard of Christ in their lives. That's yeah. why they they don't right. do it according to the Bible, right? And uh, greed, this is an interesting thing because greed is is another easy one to just slide right into because everybody needs money. And uh, it, it, there's this incredible encounter with Jesus and the guy who had a lot of money. Lord, what do I need for eternal life? What do I have to do? And Jesus saw the guy. He looked at him. He said, well, you have to obey all the commandments. All I do, I have since I was a young guy, you know. And so what does Jesus say? He knows that the man has a lot of money and he looks at his heart and knows where his struggle is. And so he says, I want you to sell everything you got and give it to the poor and come follow me. And now Jesus isn't telling us that that's what you and I have to do per se. He's looking at this specific guy in this scenario and man walks away. It says sad because he was very rich. And that's when Jesus says the very famous line, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Yeah. And I don't think in looking at that young man necessarily, I mean, we don't know a lot about his story. We don't know. In fact, we know next to nothing about his story other than what we've just read, you know, but I'm thinking Jesus said he liked him instantly. He liked this guy. He didn't look like a monster. He didn't look like the big mobster guy that's, you know, real greedy and wants all the money and kill that guy so that I can have his money. He didn't look like anything mm-hmm. out of an Al Pacino movie. Okay, so it was about something that had started maybe as a flutter, maybe something that started his childhood. He had grown accustomed to living this way, didn't know that he could release things over. But it had him, it had him to a place where he didn't feel like he could let go and allow, and, and truly follow Jesus. And that's one of the, uh, again, going back to that reference of if it's keeping you from all in, cut it off, whatever that is. Mm. And greed is represented hugely within the walls of the temple. In Jesus's time, Annas is a high priest. He is put there by a guy named Quirinius. You may remember in the story of Jesus at Christmas time and his birth, while Quirinius was governor. You know, I don't okay. know if you remember that. So it's this guy puts Annas in charge of the high priest. So he is appointed by a government to be in charge of the church. This has nothing to do with the people have elected him or, you know, it was his time or whatever. No, and Annas was not, from what I gather, and I was looking in the Bible encyclopedia, a great human being. He was a greedy guy. And in fact, his son-in-law Caiaphas was the high priest. I feel like by name only. I don't feel like he really stepped into the full title. I think Annas was still pulling the strings. Maybe Caiaphas was like a puppet. And Caiaphas was the guy who was in charge uh, as high priest when Jesus was crucified. So we we know both of those names, but it was Annas that was visited first that night that Jesus was arrested. He was taken to him and then on to Caiaphas. 
And so this was the top dog. This was the maybe the godfather, if you will. And he had a lot of people in line who would serve as high priest. Um, they were all related to him. And it says that he also, they, they monopolized uh, the market on sacrificial animals. So they, they sold these animals on the Mount of Olives. They sold the animals even in the temple. These were the same uh, temple tables with the animals on them that Jesus would have overturned at one point. Mm-hmm. He was a greedy guy, among many other things. He liked power. He liked his status. And you think about it, the people probably didn't know any better if they were separated enough. Now, people behind closed doors may have known him well enough to know that this was the kind of guy he was. But if you're in charge of the church, you must be a good guy, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe they talked about him. Did you see who they appointed as leader? I can't believe it. I don't know. But we know that the high priest was the, the top dog, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law of Moses, they looked up to him. And if you're the one in power and in control for the Jewish people, from the beginning, God was supposed to be the one in control. And the priest was the spokesperson for God. And if that guy is corrupt, you know, yeah. then everything's in trouble. But that guy, I mean, from all appearances, uh, in fact, this is the conversation when when he says, Jesus says, it is harder for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. That's when all the disciples kind of mutter to each other, well, if he can't get in, then who can get in? Because in their mind, status was so intertwined with being acceptable to God, I guess. Right, right. They looked at um, people who were... I mean, they even asked Jesus that, you know, yeah. uh, if, if, if something bad happened to somebody, well, then they must have sinned, you yeah. know, and then much less the, the appearance and the elevator, you know, the, the, uh, Pharisees and how rich they, they were and they wore their, uh, what do they call those things? All the, the, uh, scriptures that they wore all over themselves, the phylacteries, the phylacteries yeah. just to show off. And it was about this elevated status. And there was parts of scripture. Absolutely. The pointed to make sure that you're taking these pieces of the law with you, mm-hmm. tie them to your foreheads, tie them to your arms so that you don't forget. So that was, it was accurate, but they took it to a place of, like you said, it was a showmanship thing. It was a, I want to show you how good I am. It was about pride. You know, which we're going to connect to that next week. But um, the social I, greed. This, yes. <laughs> but the greed thing. I mean, we're talking imbalanced scales. I have weighed you on the scales and found you wanting. It's because there was an imbalance there. Um, you read through all of scripture. It talks about don't cheat each other. <laughs> and yet, of course, they did. Why? Well, because they got greedy about stuff. And. This is the thing. This is why Jesus warns us about it. He, in fact, he blesses people. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You couldn't want more than the kingdom of heaven. And he teaches on that. It's a, it's a, it's a spirit of humility. Um, I, I, I like this quote. Greed refuses to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I, that would go along with lust. Yeah. Well, that would go along with really just about all of these. <laughs> right? Seven deadly sins. And it is an unquenchable thing. Mm-hmm. You tell yourself with, with either of these today, well, I'll just look at that and I'll be done. No. Or, well, if I just made this much money. Then I'd be good. Then I'd be good. Or if I just got that thing, that new car, and I'm going to be set. It never ends. 
and it never ends. No. I remember telling myself um, when I got the new iPhone, the iPhone, the, the second one, mm-hmm. uh, the fourth one, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> Because iPhone 4, it was when they did the new shape, and it was so cool, and there's another mall lineup, and I'm like, oh, sure. man, I'm going to be set. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get my Twitter set up on it, had all the new apps, it had all the thing, and I was, you know, you mess with it that night, and you completely are satisfied for a second, because you yeah. like, you got to type it all in, and get your contacts good, and then the newness just fades within the first couple of days. Now, it's not the phone itself that causes the problem. It's it's the love of the phone. It's the craving. Yeah. For the phone. Yeah. And First Timothy 6 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So if we're getting to a place of craving, we should crave Jesus. Yeah. Lord, put, would you put that desire in my heart? I want to crave you. Put that desire in my heart. I don't want to think, of, maybe there's somebody right now that you have been thinking about in a way where your eyes have lingered longer than they should. Lord, I want to desire things that are of you. And so how do we do that? And the scripture points us in the direction of thinking upon things that are of good report. So his scripture, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think he was telling us to tie his word to our bodies so that we could constantly dwell on his truth day and night, Yeah, it says. And when we think about things that are pure and of good report, things that are of God, it is it is a process, but if we entertain the other stuff, it we, we don't stand a chance against our our earthly desires because yeah, it is this base animalistic type of thing within all of us, and it's Jesus Christ and through His Spirit alone that can redeem us from that. And if we keep giving ourselves over to a car, like you said, and stand a chance, it's unquenchable. But Jesus says. For those that find me, they will never thirst again. Well, that's so good. Yeah, my grace is enough. Uh, this has been an incredible conversation. The third part of the spooky series <laughs> this month, the Seven Deadly Sins with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Next week is going to be huge. It's We're going to wrap up with Pride. It is the seventh one. It is It encompasses all of these. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like uh, Pride's the pizza and all of these are the toppings. Exactly. So, like, you, they all connect to Pride. So you got some sausage with your lust over there. You got some pepperoni with your sloth over there. But it's all on the same pie, which is pride. It all connects. Greed would be the cheddar, would be the cheese. You think so? Yeah, because you got to make that cheddar. Oh, you got to make right? the cheddar. See? Like okay, so uh, it's going to be very special. We will have a podcast just like normal. <laughs> I'm sorry, just choosing choosing the pizza should be gluttony. Right? That's true. Because I made the... the but now we're going to rethink this. Is analogy. gluttony the pizza? Gluttony's the pizza. No, whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, next week is going to be very special. It will be a normal podcast. Uh, I mean, this series, but a normal podcast just like you normally listen to. But we're also going to have cameras there. You will be able to watch it on yes. YouTube through Hope On Demand. So be looking for that next week. And thank you. At HopeOnDemand.com. And of course, anywhere you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us here as well. 